0: CinemaJaw is sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in the App Store. And we thank them for their support. Listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location at Cards Against Humanity in Chicago. My name is Matt K, and with me is
1: I'm Ryan, the movie guy, and sitting behind the glass is producer Pat. Hey guys, how's it going? This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, we fall in love, young love, as we cover our top five movies about young love.
0: I thought I thought for a moment you were talking about us, but we're clearly too old to. Have young love, Ryan. Well,
1: everybody's had it in this room. Producer Pat probably is currently in it, but me and you have he's gone he, through young, young love. We have gone through young love.
0: Yes, yes. We we look back on it with fond nostalgia, Pat, so enjoy yourself, young man.
1: <laughs> We're doing this topic. Uh, it's twofold, I guess, in a way, right, Matt? yeah. We have a great guest who's going to be uh, Skyping in.
0: Yeah, really looking forward to having him back on the show. Darren Dean, frequent collaborator with Sean Baker. He's worked on films like Tangerine, The Florida Project, just to name a few. He's got a bunch of new stuff coming out.
1: Yeah, and one of those films is entitled Premature, which is getting great reviews and coming out uh, this February. Uh, It's getting a wide release and also uh, digital, and it has to do with Young Love. So that was the first thing that got us thinking about You know, young kids, teens, falling in love. Yeah. And then secondly... It's Valentine's Day. Ah, yes. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. So get thinking of that, Jawheads, your top five movies involving young love. Besides that... It's a great topic. Yeah. Besides that, Matt, we even have more going on.
2: This week in honor of Birds of Prey, we are also playing movie spinoff trivia... And speaking of Birds of Prey,
0: that is our review this week, Ryan.
1: Can't wait to talk about that. And we promised the Jawheads a new riddle, and we're going to get them one. Yep. The new riddle will come uh, right around the middle of the show. When we take a break, we're also going to do a riddle at that point.
0: Yeah, you say middle, but it's probably about two-thirds. It
1: is. It's a little ways. But look for a new riddle. And Matt, last week, you'll recall, we heard from Jawhead Emmett Spangler. Mm -hmm. He is the Jawhead who... Sent us the cinema war Topic Machine.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's questionable in its functionality, Emmett, but damn it it, it, it works. It does.
1: And we
0: are going to use it this week. It's somewhat broken, but I don't know. Let's just make
1: it work, Rye. Yeah, Matt has actually tried to fix it for over two weeks to get the date to change. I'm usually it, pretty handy with these types of things. We can't do it. It's stuck on the year 2000. I think I just need some more WD-40. We'll see what happens. But you know what I was thinking here with Birds of Prey being mm-hmm. a comic book movie? Mm-hmm. If we just put that in.
0: Just the words comic, comic book? Comic book movie
1: or just comic book. What do you want?
0: Uh, comic book movie, comic book, it's the same thing. I mean, we're doing a movie show, so obviously it's going to be movies. Yes.
1: So let's throw in comic book in the machine. Okay. Let's turn this machine on, Matt K. All right. Here we go. So we got comic book, year 2000. Hit it. <laughs> Oh, here we go again still still smells Theater like wet rat yeah yeah all right the topic that we have here matt mm-hmm. what is the better comic book movie that came out in the year 2000 wow get a load of this x-men or unbreakable
0: Ooh, that's a tough one i, I will pick uh, i'll i'll argue for x-men
1: I'll go Unbreakable.
0: All right. Well, may the best man win. Are you ready?
1: I am. Cinema Cinema War. War. Plus, Matt, February is Anne Hathaway Month here on CinemaJaw. So let's start there with an Anne Hathaway fact. Today's
2: Anne Hathaway fact comes from an article published in Variety in 2015, marking the 10-year anniversary of Brokeback Mountain. Director Ang Lee said that he was unfamiliar with Anne Hathaway before her audition, and he was told by the casting director that the next actress coming in to read was going to apologize for her clothes and makeup, but to just let her do that and go into the reading. This was because Hathaway was auditioning for Brokeback Mountain during her lunch break from filming The Princess Diaries 2. wow. Also on the Universal lot, and according to Ang Lee, she read the part for Lorene, wearing heavy makeup and dressed as a
1: princess.
0: <laughs> I want to find that audition tape. That would be good, right? That would be. And
1: it's funny on what a a, a gap in her career she was. A, a, I should say a leap in her career she was about to take. I mean, here she's making Princess Diaries sure. two, and then in a couple years she's making something very heavy like Brokeback Mountain.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean. Obviously, Princess Diaries is what it is, but I think she showed her potential even in even in those films.
1: Indeed. All right, before we bring Darren on, Matt, we do want to stick with this and uh, keep reaching into the mailbag. So let's start there, Matt.
0: Yeah, we love getting feedback. We love hearing from the Jawheads. It's, it's seriously heartwarming this Valentine's Day. So this one comes from Dion, and it goes like this. Your guest this week had me scratching my head. Has Amazon put out any good movies? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark. Has he been living in a cave the last several years? The Lost City of Z, Love and Friendship, Wit Stillman's Most Recent, Brittany Runs a Marathon, Beautiful Boy, Crown Heights, One Child Nation, You Were Never Really Here, The Big Sick, The Handmaiden, Photograph, Landline, Cold War, Brad's Status, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. What was he thinking? Sincerely? Dion. Sincerely, happy face, Dion.
1: I like it, Dion. Yeah. And it's funny. The the guest he's referring to was just last episode, John Otterbacher, Professor O. And he made this comment. And a lot of times when we have a guest in, and we've talked about this before, we record, yes, it's recorded, but we record it as...
0: In a live fashion, live to tape.
1: And you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. So when a comment comes like that, and I even remember trying to correct John on the show saying... The latest two were really good, that being the Aeronauts yeah. and the Report. I, sure,
0: it's on us. We didn't but, think of these either.
1: But it's very tough because we're in the moment. But I remember when he said it, like, oh, that's he's completely wrong. And so I'm so glad this feedback came in because, yeah. yes, truth be told, I've had this conversation with many people over a few beers. If if I'm talking just from a movie, and I wouldn't want to have to pick between the two, but if I'm talking from a movie uh aspect.
0: You better say you were never really here.
1: I know I was going to say I would almost say I would pick Amazon over Netflix when it comes to the movies that they've produced. And uh, maybe. Like I say, I don't want to have to pick the two, but just, don't. To, just to let people know if they're not looking at what Amazon's producing uh, as a studio, it is fabulous. They got great movies coming out all the time. And they have the exclusive deal with A24, where they are showing all of A24s before. So combine those two, and Amazon is is
0: they're a great it. spot for they, movies. They they got the cash to to get it done, and and luckily for us that they're spending it in good ways. The Big Sick and You Were Never Really Here, in particular. And you know what? In Otterbacher's defense, uh, the great Professor O has been working pretty hard on films the past couple of years, so he may have had his head down and and just. Not been thinking about this.
1: True. Keep the feedback coming, Jawheads. We love it. Please do. All right, Matt. So without further ado, Matt, we bring in our guest this week, Matt. As you mentioned at the top of the show, Darren Dean is a producer extraordinaire. He has worked on such films as Tangerine, The Florida Project, and his new film, Premature, currently sits, get this, Matt, Mm -hmm. at 94% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, nominated for a Spirit Award. Darren Dean, welcome back to Cinema Jaw.
3: Oh God, it's great to be back, guys.
1: Great to Thanks have for you back. Me. Yeah. So congratulations on premature, uh, uh, the film. This is uh, pretty exciting stuff, huh?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm really excited about this one. Um, I got to work with Rashad Ernesto Green, who uh, had done Gun Hill Road, um, kind of back. I guess when I was starting my career out, um, he did this film that um, and a lot of people uh, kind of overlooked this one. And it, and it actually predated Tangerine um, as a film with a trans lead who also got nominated for a Spirit Award. Oh, nice. Um, and, um, you know, I've kind of brought that up as a talking point in a lot of interviews because I, th- I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, as, you know, I mean, we, we get our, our pats on the back for being groundbreaking and stuff like that. But I, I you know, I hate that that film was overlooked because it's such a great, great film.
1: So tell, t- yeah, tell us a little bit about Premature, too, about the premise of it.
3: Um, so it's a story of a young girl um, who is about to graduate uh, high school and, and head off to college, uh, falls in love with a, an older man, a, a, a guy who is a um, record producer, a songwriter. Um, and it's, uh, you know, as, as young love often is, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, kind of like love at the at the right right place wrong time or yeah something like that you know um you know where you know her she's coming of age and he's of age and you know there's there's definitely like uh, uh real moments of beauty um and, and tenderness with this uh, this wonderful script that uh, Zora Howard wrote with, uh, Rashad Ernesto Green and Zora is the lead of the film as well. Um, but, but also this, you know, this heartbreak, you know, when you realize you're, you're growing up too fast and, um, and she does in this film and, you know, and, and there's these rites of passage that happen that are, you know, again, they're, they're really heartbreaking and heart wrenching and, um, and also very beautiful. Um, you know, and, and also one thing I really want to add is that you know like we've got this great cast I mean Zara Howard and, and Josh Boone who Josh Boone does a lot of theater here in New York who's just in network and right now he's in a play called um, All the Natalie Portmans um, which is uh, getting pretty highly rated off Broadway and um, you know but, but really a big star of our film is is Harlem itself, you know, and, and this is like, you know, we're we're potentially heading into a gentrification of, of the area, and you know, I know that Rashad really, really wanted to make sure that we shot you know, the authentic Harlem um, you know, and, and depict it in such a way that, you know, it would be captured on film forever, and you know, and, and you know, people from Harlem cherish that, and you know, Beale Street also is, was a film that, you know, uh, really did a lot of that, and you know, uh, took its time to authenticate the film through through its images. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great you know, it's a, I love the film. It's a film I'm very very proud of, and uh, you know, really looking forward to the world uh, to see it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I was wondering because when we talk to you and and you've been on the jaw a couple of times, you're always mentioning the different projects that. Uh, you know, a producer always sort of have it, has his hands in in multiple fires going at one time. Lots of juggling, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. So what was it about premature that drew you to the project that that you said yes, I got to be involved in this?
3: Um, it really was Rashad. It was he was somebody that I really wanted to work with um, for for a while. Let me tell you a little bit about two thousand eighteen. Um, it, it was a, it was a crazy, not so kind of year. Um, you know, I went. Um, and, and I shot a film in New Mexico called uh, The Short History of the Long Road, which, which right. by the way, is releasing, uh, releasing in May of this year. Congrats. Um, or April. I'm sorry, April of this year. Um, it's either April or May. We'll, we'll find out. Uh, but uh, um, that's film that stars Sabrina Carpenter, Stephen Ogg, Maggie Siff, Danny Trejo. Um, well, and, Stephen ogg has um, been on we, the show.
0: We've talked to him. Actually, He's,
3: really? Stephen, Stephen is awesome. Stephen is, is awesome. Is awesome.
0: He's uh, um, per- and, perhaps well known for his role as Trevor in the Grand Theft Auto five video game for Jawheads listening. Oh
3: yeah, 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 for sure. As well as his role on, on Walking Dead, which is where I first saw him as well. Absolutely. Um but um you know, so we you know, we, we spent a lot of time on, you know, um short history of the long road. We you know, we cultivated, we built our you know our kind of our world, you know, and and I mean that universe being like our cast and our crew and our money and our you know like timeline, um, over a very you know decent period of time, but not anything you know exponentially unrealistic, you know. But we just we took our time making the film, and we were really really happy with you know just taking our time, and I loved it because like you know I've worked with Sean in the past, Sean Baker in the past, and we have a very um, run and gun kind of attitude, so it was nice kind of departure to be organized and to be, you know, um, you know, kind of go in and, and, you know, pace ourselves. Um, well, you know, we, we shot this wonderful film and then, um, about a week before we wrapped this film, um, I get a call from Alex Rivera. Alex Rivera was the director of sleep dealer also back when I had first started with Prince of Broadway. Um, and he was somebody else who I really, really wanted to work with. And, um, you know, he and Christina Barra, um, who uh, was his co-director, had called me up, and, and I'd run into them when we were out fundraising for Short History of the Long Road. And he was telling me about this film called The Infiltrators that he was working on, and I was like, "Wow, man, this sounds fascinating! It's this hybrid doc narrative thing." And um, you know, I like, and I said to him, "I was like." I'm, I'm like so committed to, you know, working on short history now. I can't like split my focus, but man, good luck with that film. I wish I could work on it. Well, here we are two years later. He calls me the week before we wrap short history of the long road and says, Hey, you know, do you know any producers who might want to come work on this film? And I said, is it the same film you were working on two years ago? And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, I'll come work on that film with you. And he was like, he's like, You will you really do that? He goes, probably below your pay grade. And I'm like, I I need to make this film. It was a film about, you know, the ICE detention centers and, you know, and these subjects who were, you know, caught up in the system. And I was like, no, I I, I feel like I need to make this movie. Yeah. And um and so I went home for three weeks. Um, you know, we we went through you know, a few script reads, some workshopping, and I told Alex and Christina, I was like, "We have to make this movie now. It's it's so relevant, so important." Um, and I got on a plane, went right to LA. This is about a month after we wrapped Short History. Um, shot The Infiltrators closer to the style in which we shoot Sean's films. You know, <laughs> very, you know, kind of like urgent and you know, and and um, and about a. I, Gosh, I guess about three weeks before I wrapped that, I got a call from Rashad, wow. and um, Rashad said, "I, you know, I really would love to work with you. Um, you know, can you, you know, come back to New York and shoot this film with me?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I'm shooting on this particular date, and um, or I'm wrapping on this particular date, and you're shooting on this particular date. Hey, unless you can move the film, I can't do it." And so, um, I, you know, I get a call. Uh, the day after I got back from, or about maybe three days after I, I'd wrapped, um, the infiltrators and it was causing, we need you please come work on this film. And I was like, oh boy. So I flew home. And the day after I flew home, I walked onto a live set. Wow. Um, there was no, there was no prep. Um, the, there was a team in place that had done some prep, but I had no prep. Um, and we barreled through that in, oh, I'd say, about 19 days or so. Um, and it, it had, you know, again, it had that... St- that we, now we're back to that Baker-verse kind of energy. Um, you
0: just can't escape it. You know it. what I
3: meant? You know, I, but I missed it. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, there's like... There's that... You know, it's like that crazy ex girlfriend, you know, you just you know, like you you have to get back, you know, in, sure. in, in the saddle and, and hang out with that person and or that, that thing that, that you feeling, know is yeah. so is is so yeah, energetic and you know, and um I like I like it all. I mean I like the 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 pacing that is um you know, methodical. And and I like the urgency. I do. I love the urgency. And and Rashad's film certainly had that. Um, you know. And and I think a lot of that shows on screen. You know. It's
1: awesome. It is. And congratulations Sorry on... for the
3: long
0: story. No, it's <laughs> it's a fascinating story. Yeah, man.
1: it is. And and uh, congratulations on the Spirit Award. You guys, you're going out there, correct?
3: I am. I am leaving. Yes. Yeah, so like, when is this airing?
1: This, this will actually air probably the Monday after the Spirit Awards, because they're Saturday, so correct? I,
3: I will either be a big winner or a four-time loser, so <laughs> uh, it, will, uh, it will be interesting. Um, I'm betting I'm on the, the, the latter. Um, but uh, yeah, heading out, we're nominated for the cast of Eddie's, and um, uh, it's Rashad, um, my co-producer, uh, my fellow producer, Joy Gaines, and our writer-actress, Zora um, Howard, as the screenwriter, um, all, you know, all of us are nominated together um, because it's about that spirit of, you know, bringing those five hundred thousand dollar films together, um, you know, for the Cassavetes Award. Um, so we're excited about that. Yeah, I'll be back out there again. And I'm just really pumped.
0: Yeah. it's Congratulations, man. It, it's it's really fantastic to see you on such a role. We, we've been following your career for a while, man, and just uh, couldn't be happier
3: for you. So, so the th- I appreciate that. It's It's been a crazy year. So, <laughs> the, the,
1: the three films that you mentioned here that you just worked on, um, for the jawheads listening to this, let's start with premature. When can we expect to see this uh, release? Because this is going to be in theaters and digital, correct?
3: Uh, yes. February 21st will be uh, the launch date of, um, like, you know, uh, through IFC. Um, it opens in New York and LA. Uh, February 28th, it opens wide. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's opening very wide, actually. it's uh, they're, they're adding cities regularly, so um, we're, we're, we're happy about that.
1: We're here on CinemaJaw. We're on a few lists with different publicists for screenings. And just happened, so today, earlier, I got a list of uh, press screenings for Premature today. So
3: Awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. I cannot wait for you to see it. It's yeah. great.
1: That's awesome. And then uh, for the other two projects that you mentioned, the Infiltrators and the long, the short, long.
3: Short history history of the long road. I know it's mouthful. But uh, it's so funny because when when we talked uh, very early in the beginning, um, and I, we have these conversations. Every director and producer has these conversations about, like, the, the title of the film and, like, do we keep it? Do we, you know, and, and that's one thing I said to annie I was like, I will work on the Ani Simon Kennedy as a director. I was like, I'll work on this film, but you never can change the title. Cause it was just so, you know, I like, I loved that it was a mouthful.
1: <laughs> um,
3: but, uh, but yeah, Short History of the Long Road, um, will be opening, um, definitely in New York and LA, um, and I believe eight other cities, uh, somewhere in April, May. We're still working on that. And then it goes to, um, then it'll eventually go to FilmRise, who will be handling our digital platforms. Um, and then for the infiltrators, um, Estilloscope is handling that. And we are opening in March. Uh, the actual date is not locked yet, but we're opening in March.
0: Boy, you weren't kidding, man. You have been busy. That's That's fantastic. <laughs> Got quite a slate coming out.
1: Yeah let loose at the and, and spirit yeah, bring, awards have some
3: diverse, drinks i'm sorry go ahead.
1: i said let loose at the spirit awards have some drinks
3: uh yeah, well they're free so <laughs> you know try tying my hand behind my back yeah um, free is my favorite yeah, no, kind of beer it's always a really fun event and you know it's it's when you're in the room you don't you know, you see stuff that you don't see on TV, and it's just fun because, like, the minute they go to commercial, like, everybody's up from the tables and, like, running across the room and talking to one another. And, you know, and it's just – it's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, you get to, to hang with old friends, and, you know, and there's, like, a two-hour period before the award starts that you're outside in the – usually the lovely weather, um, you know, with a bunch of sponsors. And then, you know, and then after that, ISC throws great uh, shindig – uh, to kind of wrap the night up. And then, you know, usually most people are out of energy by then. But, yeah. uh, but it's good. It's a good day at the beach, for sure.
1: Awesome. Well, congratulations again on all the uh, success. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, as you heard, we are celebrating Anne Hathaway this month of February. So I wanted to end this interview, let the Jawheads get a, a judge of where you're coming in from with your opinion. What is your favorite Anne Hathaway movie, Darren?
0: Rachel, Rachel Getting Married. Wow, mm. that is a good one.
1: Yeah, that is our retro review yeah. this month. We're yeah. gonna review it later <laughs> oh, on really? in February. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, cool, cool, cool. No, it's such a great, great film. I think it's one of her most poignant roles, and I think, um, yeah, I mean uh, that that she was always, you know, a, a really good actress. But I, I, I think that was like she's a great actress. Kind of moment for me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah. No arguments. Yeah. No doubt. All right, so Darren is sitting in on this entire job. He has his top five movies of about Young Love. Young Love movies, yeah. This is great. And uh, speaking of great, Matt, we saw a new movie. All right, Matt, the year was 2016. DC movies were still playing catch-up with Marvel and seemed to be following their lead. In this case, DC was trying to replicate the smash hit Guardians of the Galaxy with their misfit mashup of their own, Suicide Squad. It was a failure, big time. However, if you ask most people who watched it to name one bright spot of the film, the unanimous answer would be Harley Quinn. This is not to say people were so delighted with her that they needed a spin-off, but here we are. Can Margot Robbie make this character work in her own film? Matt and I headed back to Gotham to find out.
3: This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within.
2: It's oh so oh. quiet. Now
1: that i cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people You're want me dead.
3: And at the top of that list, is this guy.
2: So peaceful,
3: but it turns out,
2: <laughs> that I wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation.
1: The film opens with some fun animation and quickly catches us up to speed on what has happened to Harley Quinn since we last saw her. The big news is she broke up with the Joker. This has major complications. Harley is now an open target for many people she has wronged over the years. As she weaves us through a ton of explanation of things, we also find out there is a diamond that everyone in Gotham wants. This leads to backstories on other characters and eventually all of this comes together. Now the question here Matt is was Birds of Prey fun enough to warrant its own spin-off?
0: Well I mean that's that's two different questions really and and we got to preface this we we just saw this movie still still digesting yes, a we, little bit. Yes we
1: we came out of the screening and drove right here to record this is true. Was Birds of Prey fun
0: enough to warrant its own spinoff is a bit of an oxymoron. I think what you're saying is, was uh, Suicide Squad fun enough to warrant its own spinoff? And the answer is no. Like you mentioned already, I don't think any of us were like desperately waiting for this. But you know what? A little bit more Margot Robbie, who has really proven herself as one of the best actors working today, um, is not a bad thing. And excited to see her get back to this character, which is just a lot of fun. What they did here, again, aping Marvel. Uh, I hate to say it, but they're just going for Deadpool. They, they just ramped up the violence, gave it an R rating, slapped a bunch of uh, F-bombs in there. Um, but God damn it, I had fun with it. Man, did I have fun with it. It was just like at, at a certain point when, while you're watching this movie, um, and I'm going to curse so you can bleep this out. You just have to say, fuck it. Just, you know what? Fuck it. The movie is what it is. It's it's unfolding before me and it's just pure spectacle. That's what it is. It's technicolored violence, unabashedly gratuitous at at times. Um, I think that there's a twinge of girl power. I don't know how that's gonna land because are they genuine with the girl power or are they reaching for it? I don't know. But this is a a, f- a female cast kicking the crap out of men the entire movie. So if that's your thing, you're going to get plenty of it from uh, Birds of Prey and, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, which is the full title. It's a bit, bit too much. It's a bit too much. I think what, what happened here is DC was going to make a Birds of Prey movie and then Harley Quinn shoehorned herself in. And I've seen so many, rev- not reviews, but trailers and everything else that says that the movie is starring Harley Quinn. But it's not. It's not starring Harley Quinn. It's starring Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. But the character itself has taken on a life of its own that she's the I, Deadpool of I, the
1: DC universe. I don't know if all of that is warranted to say that she's taken over so much so that it's it's Harley Quinn starring. No. I don't really? like the character that much. Myself, no. And oh,
0: I love the character.
1: I would also say that it's, it's interesting that you compare it to Deadpool. I did not think that actually going in it wow. was not
0: how can you why not i don't know i just thought that this was there's only a few r-rated superhero movies so how could you not compare this to dead deadpool
1: i i don't know i it didn't have that uh you know fourth wall breaking constantly it did it to a does. little bit but not like deadpool I think that's a bit of a stretch to say it's... it's I think she's it's not, its own thing. She's not
0: exactly Deadpool. What I said is it's aping Deadpool. They're going... Just like they did a, at Guardians of the Galaxy, they're going for that audience.
1: I don't know. I, I think you're saying, <sighs> no, I, I really think, don't. What are Just you talking because about? it's an R-rated... So now everything that's going to be R-rated and a comic book movie is no. only because no. Deadpool did it first? Then no. Then what I'm saying is what your point saying... That this could have been Deadpool girl paved power, the road. girl power, and you said you think it it was landing on that. I think a lot of it was girl power. I think that's really what it was going for, and a different type of girl power than say Wonder Woman. But that was, I think, the ultimate goal was to give it sort of, you know, this misfit bunch of women, right, R rated, and give it. That spin on girl power.
0: I agree, and I applaud that. My my comment was, I wonder if it will come across as genuine, and I hope it does because I I enjoyed the hell out of that aspect of it. And that's an interesting thing you bring up with Wonder Woman because while we were walking back from the theater, I asked, do you think that this has the same representation for women that uh, another superhero film had? Um, And you said, well, you know, Wonder Woman definitely probably holds that that gold standard. And I don't know because Wonder Woman is an ideal and she's a hero, but she's also kind of like the, the female Superman in a way, very buttoned up, very girl scout, very straight laced. Whereas uh, the birds of prey, each character, especially Harley Quinn is unhinged. They're, they're loose cannons. They are misfits. Um, And, and I think that there's more representation there with, with, More women can see themselves in those characters than a Wonder Woman who is kind of like this unachievable ideal.
1: Does that make sense? It does. It does. Now, the other issue I wanted to bring up or point was that you had said, hey, F it. Let's just have fun. And you had a lot of fun with the movie. It's like a Kung Fu movie. So... When I was watching the movie, I I actually wrote down in in my journal, I wrote down momentum, slow, momentum, slow, momentum, slow. And I think what I was hinting at was I was getting into the movie and some things clicked for me like this is going to be fun. It opens up with a bang, literally, with Harley Quinn blowing up this uh, chemical plant. plant, Right. And a lot of that and the way she's explaining it, it's like, this is going to be fun. I'm having fun with it. But for me, there were moments that didn't work as much too, where it was like, ugh, this is sort of slow or it's not connecting with the audience. And sometimes you get the vibe of just sitting in in the theater and getting getting a, a vibe for what people are laughing with or how much they're into it. And this one really had a pacing issue of when we're into it and when we're not into it. It was like, yes, it's rolling. Staccato. And then all of a sudden, no. It was like they were playing with the gears in a stick shift car. I was down for it for a little while, and then there were points where I'm like, this isn't working. It was weird. But then it picked it back up, and it was working uh, I, again. I agree. And ultimately,
0: I did I did think it sticks the landing. Here's the thing. With with Batman, anytime we visit Gotham, okay, there's it's, it, I was trying to think of a good food analogy for this because it's, it's like a dish that can be made a bunch of different ways with a bunch of different flavors. You get a movie like Joker that's like... Very dark and heavy, right? And then you get a movie like uh Birds of Prey, which is bubbly, poppy, bright, and campy. Uh Ewan McGregor's performance, you had said on our walk that he clearly was having fun with this role. I agree wholeheartedly, but he does go very close to over the top. He mm-hmm. I think he's bubbling, just about to get over the top, but doesn't quite. And it's right. it's, it's it's a good performance. Um, but that's the campy side of Batman, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I find that nuance within Gotham fascinating. That we can have a Joker and a Harley Quinn within 12 months of one another,
1: and they're both set in the same city. That is so different. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Which is fun, because this is actually something that separates DC right now from Marvel. That they
0: can't get their shit together?
1: No, that they, they, they can do two different things, and it still works to some degree. That's an, an interesting I don't know also if that's
0: a plus or a oh minus. I think it's a
1: big time plus I think hmm. Joker was the big plus for them because they could show that they could just do a standalone Joker even though we're about to get the Batman like I myself don't need it all connected I don't want it all connected just have fun with the characters and show me a good movie I'm over the the fact that every single movie has to tie in with something else I don't need that so I don't need I, that I either but it was good.
0: brilliant that it it, it happened. Uh,
1: Besides Margot Robbie and Ewan McGregor, who we both say are highlights here, also playing the Huntress.
0: She was great.
1: Is Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And she's excellent. And it's not a name that I think is is right up at the forefront where people always know exactly who this is. But I've been recognizing her more and more. And this, I think, is her best role. And what a great character. And there's a joke about her name and what her name was and actually even the weapon that she uses that was a recurring joke throughout the movie that completely landed for me i thought that was great
0: yeah i think it was more her deadpan delivery and her social awkwardness which don't match her badass skills that made the character so much fun Mm -hmm. and she doesn't get a whole ton of screen time but what she does get especially like when she's actually talking is very effective
1: There's also an egg sandwich at play here. And this is another one where this worked for me. This egg sandwich at the very beginning and how enthused Harley Quinn is to get this egg sandwich. Oh,
0: I feel the same way she does about a good Bacon, oh. egg, and cheese.
1: I mean, they got these close-ups of the actual breakfast sandwich being made, and then handed. Did you to get her. hungry?
0: Oh yeah. Oh dude.
1: Well, I was thinking. I I love because it's it happens after a scene of her being out partying, and I think we all can relate to one of those. You have one of those late nights, and you want that breakfast sandwich in the morning, and it was just perfect. And how much she really wants to eat this thing and, and there's a chase element to it. Yeah. All of that, again, worked. I loved fun. it. It was you fun. Know? But there were also times in the movie where some of these jokes didn't go anywhere for me. It was like, ah, eh, this isn't really working. You know. And one element that I did want to highlight that didn't work overall was the constant fight scenes with loud music playing. It it was almost like a, a beat they went to time after time again. So if it was Harley Quinn... you had the same exact thing happen each time where all of a sudden she's surrounded by a bunch of uh, guys or villains or somebody that's looking to try to kill her. And all of a sudden she has a weapon and the music starts playing. And then we get every once in a while some slow-mo and some really cool action scenes. That's great to do once. Twice is a stretch. Three, four times that probably happened in the movie. This is a lot of the movie. Too much.
0: There were extended action sequences here where I'm like... Okay, that's exactly where I said F it in my mind, because I'm like, oh, it's just a kung fu movie. It's a kung fu movie with some comedy interlace, which I guess is what all kung fu movies do. That's what this is. If you're a fan of martial arts movies, and you'd like to see DC characters in a martial arts movie, especially female DC characters kicking ass, then this is your movie. And it's funny. It's pretty good.
1: So we get to how many jaws here, Matt eh?
0: That's a difficult question, man. Because in all honesty, I, I don't want to elevate this movie too much. There are some serious problems here. I, I don't want to make light of the fact that there's some real violence. They and, don't pull any punches.
1: And, and one other element, actually, before you get, get oh, okay. to the judge. Yeah, please, please. Was this idea that they do this rewind in the film where basically... they did like that. They get to one spot in the plot and then you're completely confused as a viewer you're like what is going on and then what they do is this rewind to explain how they got to that spot in the plot they do it once and i thought that was clever but they actually do it a second maybe even a third time where they do that sort of rewind element like oh well we'll explain her in a second
0: well i guess that's harley's disjointed mind at work well you know what i did like as long as we're adding extra thoughts here harley gets to okay Harley is kind of an idiot, right? Or she's played as that, but she's not. She's a psycho. She's a psychiatrist with a PhD, and there are times when, yeah, she can kick ass. Yeah, she's the Joker's ex-girlfriend, but she's also a brilliant scientist uh, and a brilliant doctor, and she actually gets to that comes across a few times to her advantage while she's in these situations. Mm-hmm. I liked that, that they wove that in because she doesn't get enough of that in the comics or even the, the original Paul Dini cartoons.
1: One thing I am sick and tired of already with these comic book movies, be it uh, one of these group comics where you got multiple people coming together mm-hmm. like we do in Birds of Prey or even when it's an origin story, I can't stand where the name of the group or the name of the spy, the, the, the hero is announced at the end. It's so tiresome. They've done this in, in numerous occasions. I mean, this is at least the eighth time where we get to the end of the film and then they say it's whatever it would be. You know, I'm just going to say Iron Man, but let's just say whatever the, the person's going to be. And That's like, an
0: origin story, man. Like, oh,
1: come on. It's just a little tiring. But I, I guess so. All right, on to the jaws here, Matt K. How many jaws for Birds of Prey? Okay, Birds, Birds of Prey is a
0: two and a half jaw movie. It's, it's, it's a little better than a middle of the rotor. And and that's about it. That's where it lands. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, this is probably not going to be something we're talking about at the end of the year. But, you know, go see it. It was enjoyable.
1: I would say it is a middle of the rotor as I go. Two jaws. Two jaws. So didn't like it quite as much as you. But I didn't hate it. And I was very worried. I had very low expectations. I thought this could just be actually painful to sit through. But it wasn't.
0: Yeah. So. They pull it off. I was really curious how they were going to. But do, they do.
1: Do you have a movie poster quote?
0: Actually, I do. Harley Quinn shows her rainbow is short a few Skittles in Birds of Prey.
1: Decent, but uh, I'm going to one-up you this week. Yeah, uh, okay.
0: let's all right, I'll here be it the is. judge of that.
1: Movie poster. You got the, you're got. picturing it, right? And right across it, mm-hmm. Rosie Perez is back.
0: Actually, that is pretty good. We didn't mention Rosie Perez at <laughs> no, all. No,
1: but we did in my movie poster quote. She is back. Rosie Perez. I have waited 20 years for this. Yes! RP, man. RP is back.
0: I'm a, I'm a big fan. I don't think it's been 20 years. She's had well, some appearances here and there, but this was yeah. a good starring vehicle for her. Ah,
1: good stuff. All right. Two Jaws, two and a half Jaws for Birds of Prey. There you go.
0: That's about where it belongs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No no big love story, but you got a breakup in there. Yeah. You, know, you do got some young love element in there. And because our guest Darren Dean has produced the film premature that is our topic this week so i am uh, no young love per se in birds of prey well i don't know maybe and there is some Mr. elements J of it everything. right yeah yeah <laughs> i love it but that is our topic this week because our guest darren dean has produced the movie premature so it ties in good here so we're oh, gonna
0: and valentine's day Ryan. this is true matt hey, this is true happy valentine's day to thank you.
1: thank you thank
0: you um it always Oop. makes him so uncomfortable when I say that, Darren. You should see Oop. his face turning bright red.
1: <laughs> yeah, plus he's rubbing my leg when he says it, which is always awkward. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's always oh my awkward. Goodness. Hey,
3: it's my wedding anniversary, so. Oh, you know, see I, uh, that? I, I've got a special affinity for Valentine's Day. And you know what? My wife will always say. He's the one who picked it, not me, just to show what a you know, softy I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> honestly,
0: I think it's smart. Now you only have to remember one date. Perfect.
1: <laughs>
3: right. There you go. That was all calculated.
1: <laughs> and we are going to find out what a softy, Darren, is with his top five list here of young lovers. What do you have sitting at number five, Darren? It's
3: not, it's, this is not going to show that I'm a softie, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tambian uh, has to be on that list.
1: This is a this uh, is, is a, um, a great film for um, sure.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean the performances. I mean it's it's so early in Cron's career, and you know, and and you know, so that, that's certainly something that you know that I love. It's just that, you know, we could kind of sit back and watch that film, and people were able to watch that film fifteen, twenty years ago, and just go like, "Wow, this is a beautiful film." Um, but now, just to see where he started, and really, you know, how I think that film has influenced so many um not only young filmmakers but young people in love
1: sure it's funny i'd like to go back and see it now after watching roma uh last year and and yeah, a exactly. lot of times then you could see some of that influence early on in his career it's been a long time since i've seen it but yes a movie
0: some of the seeds that were sown for, right for something uh, for roma a,
1: a movie very much about like sort of like free love wouldn't you say Darren?
3: for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, there's, there's a lot of beauty in that, too, just that, you know, their exploration, unabashed exploration of, you know, the freedom of who to love and how to love them is just really exceptionally handled in that film.
1: Yeah, definitely one I want to revisit. Good pick.
3: I agree. Strong pick.
1: pick at number five. Matt, can so you match that? You, you.
0: I I don't want to try to match that. If that if that pick is is high art, I'm going straight to pop. Oh no. Yeah. And oh, it's no. it's it's automatic, it's systematic, it's hydromatic. <laughs> Why? It's Grease lightning, Ryan. Grease
3: Oh my yeah. wow. <laughs> Sandy
0: and Danny have stood the test of time in my heart. It's a musical that I think holds up very well because it was sort of out of time when they made it in the 70s. And Olivia Newton-John and and John Travolta, kooky as they may be as individuals, were recently photographed in 2019 holding hands in the Danny and Sandy outfits. Oh, no. And it's heartwarming.
1: They looked great. Was this Travolta with the shaved head? No, no. He put
0: on a hairpiece and stuff. (laughs) He, He looked like Danny Zuko. He was wearing the leather jacket and everything. I love Greece. I think it holds up, and it was teenage, high school romance that just seems so important when you're in it, you know? And I think the musical captured that moment in our, all of our lives. I think most of us at least have shared that moment, and uh, Greece, I, I love it, I, and I never will stop, Ryan. Mm. Mm. It's
3: just at number uh, five. that's a great call. That's a great call. I love that. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I know what... you
0: love Grease too, Ryan.
1: I, I do. And we've talked. <laughs> we've Me and Matt have talked openly about being the only two guys in the world that actually like Grease too. also. Yeah. That's <laughs> a true story. <laughs> I don't know.
3: Michelle, what... fight for her early role. You can't not like Right. Right. Yeah. She, she's, <laughs> a,
1: she's a cool writer, you know? Um, my number five pick is a movie that just came out a couple of years ago. I caught up with it really because it was getting good buzz, and I'm glad that I did. It is entitled Love, Simon. and
0: oh, okay. oh, yeah, that's a good pick, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. This,
1: this is uh, Nick Robinson is the actor who plays Simon, and he's a teenager in high school who is gay, but he has not told his family or friends yet. And then one day at school, uh, online, on this like online forum that the school has, another student confesses that he is a, a closeted gay student. And the Simon ends up reaching out to him not giving away his identity and then basically what happens is these two basically become pen pals in a way and start to get to know each other but don't know who Who's they who. are
0: right It's an anonymous relationship at oh, first. right yeah
1: and it, it's it's a fabulous high school uh, movie and it, it really wins you over the, the acting's great uh, it, it moves you at the end and there's a great carnival scene uh, where he's got to get on the merry-go-round. Uh, it's 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 awesome. I agree. You have seen this one, huh, Matt? Yeah, I finally
0: did catch up with it.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm.
3: I like it a lot. I, I have not seen that, but I know so many people who love that film. But for me, people, I would not expect to love that film. And I, I feel like it's one that I really need to see. Um, so glad it's on your list.
1: Yeah. There, there, there's uh, an element, you know, that everybody cheers for that good love story in high school. Uh, this yeah. happens to be, you know, a gay love story. But it, it it's 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 wonderful. It's it trans, you'll love it. it. It
0: transcends category. It
1: does. It yeah. really does. It's mm-hmm. it's an right. awesome film. So, uh, love Simon. My number five. Into our fours we go, Darren.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, since you're, you guys are kind of like on the, the high school kick, you know, um, who does high school better than Shakespeare, right? So, I mean, gotta go with Ten Things I Hate About You. I think it's one of the funniest. You know, films around, I think, you know, I mean, it's it's breakthrough for Heath, Sledger, and Julia Stiles, and just Gordon-Levitt, and, you know, there's so many great, great, rich, fun scenes in that, um, you know, and it's, I'm sure many of your listeners know, it's, I, I you know, it's *Tammy of the Shrew, and, um, you know, done High School style, and I, I think it's just it. that, too... Uh, as we talked about, you know, Greece. I think that the 10 Things I Hate About You has really stood the test of time. Um, and it's something I can turn on with my, my five-year-old and she'll, like, be glued to the TV set.
0: Yeah. No arguments here, man. That is a good one. When you said Shakespeare, I thought you were going a different direction, which, which may or may not come up later. We don't. We'll, we'll see. Uh, all right. That, that swings it over to me. I think you guys are going to be able to figure out what kind of mood I was in when I made this list. By my picks. Uh, 1987. Okay. This one I actually struggled with putting it on, but I ultimately decided, yes, it fits. It's a movie I watched again and again. It's The themes are not purely about young love, but I think it's love that saves the characters in the end. And I'll just come out with it. This is Can't Buy Me Love. McDreamy himself. Oh, wow. Patrick Dempsey. Are you familiar with this one, Ryan?
1: I am. I don't think I've ever seen it, though, okay. all the way through. I know I've seen parts of this movie. movie. Oh. It's a great
0: movie. It's a great movie. I saw it in the theater did you yeah I watched it again yes, and again I did. I'm that old <laughs> this was a this was a VHS rental for me that that I you know nearly wore out and it, again like the entire family enjoyed this movie so it's it's definitely one you could put on it's it's got a lot of lessons like I was saying it's not just about the the romance that's budding it's also about him getting everything he because he's a nerd and basically he hires a cheerleader to make him the popular kid and then the power goes to his head and things kind of fall apart so it's about Getting everything you ever wanted and, and realizing that you really just wanted love all along, Ryan. Mm-hmm. So.
1: That McDreamy, he wins you over every time, doesn't he?
0: Hey, this is a young McDreamy at at his McDreamiest, so he sure Mc, does.
3: McDreamy on a lawn, McDreamy on a lawnmower. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. Is that <laughs> that, that it. triumphant
0: movie. ending shot, yes, I love it. <laughs> yep, yep, at the sunset. Yeah,
1: it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, you had me at lawnmower. All right, yeah, what do you got there, yeah. Ryan? All right, my number four came out in 2011. A, a trio here of uh, actors and actresses: uh, Anton Yelchin, oh wow, yeah. Felicity Jones, okay, and Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, in 2011, mm. made a movie called Like Crazy. I and don't think I ever saw it. It's 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 a smaller movie, and I know I don't think we've talked about it on Cinemaja, but it, it tells the story of young love and and how strong that feeling can be and then can that feeling eventually uh you know handle long distance and Mm. time between the two yeah yeah. so basically what happens here is um uh, anton yelchin and felicity jones are dating when they're basically ending of college and she was over here in the united states from the uk and her student visa Expires and she has to go back to the UK. Mm-hmm. And then there's problems with her visa, and she can't come back into the United States for a set amount of time. And now they're on two different continents. Sure. Can it, can it withstand the
0: strain of, of yes, the right. continent in
1: between? And them. then he eventually goes on and gets in with a, a new relationship with uh, Samantha, played by Jennifer Lawrence. But that special feeling isn't there that he had he lost that love and feeling right right and then eventually when you rekindle it does time and distance sort of diminish yeah that that feeling it's Mm. it's an interesting film uh and in a lot of ways it's a little sad and depressing too well way to bring it down well it's a good movie though you should check it out it's entitled like crazy i i I recommend this one all right there we go
0: back over to you darren Starting in at number three, our number threes. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, I mean, I, I always think about love, young love is like love gone wrong, you know, like those stories always kind of resonate, you know, um, you know, when bad stuff happens for people who are in love. Right. So, um, I'm going with the film from this year. It's, it's out of the box. It's me breaking the box on the way out of the box. Um, only because I love the film and I thought it needed a mention because it didn't get enough love this year at the awards, I'm going with Midsummer.
0: Oh, wow. 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 I, dude, I love, dark I, pick. I love this pick. I've been picking it for a lot of my like favorite of the year lists, so I didn't even think uh, about this one. This is a good one.
3: Yeah, I mean, all, I mean, it's all about love. It's what you do, you know, people are going to do for love, for loving, you know, Florence Pugh, and right, it just, it's, it's really kind of it's a twisted take on young love but you know it's it's i i, I found my thread in there <laughs>
0: i like it yeah it's 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 a breakup story at its heart it's really about the catharsis yeah. of finally getting over someone and it's uh, <laughs> a hell of a psychedelic murderous <laughs> journey to get there but yep. that yep. smile she gives at, at in the very last shot is clearly she's over him you know and oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a twisted that's, pick, and, and I like really,
3: it. Yeah, it's a twisted pick, but yeah, that's why I, I, I picked it. I like picking twisted things. So. That's good.
0: <laughs> good. I'm like really it. glad you got that on, on the list, because I'm a big fan of that movie. Um, <laughs> going in a slightly different direction with mine, and I just want to say before I reveal my pick but to, to you, Ryan, that doing Cinema Jaw, I've had the time of my life, and I never felt this way before, and I swear it's the truth, and frankly, I owe it all to you. Dirty Dancing.
1: Wow. Nobody puts baby wow. in the corner. That was impressive, Beth.
3: <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was Kevin.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry, I had to pull out the cheesy lines. This is another one. I, I, like I said, you could tell the sort of mood I was in. I guess I got nostalgic when I was making this list, but growing up, I had an older sister, guys, so maybe that's it. Uh, oh, and big shout out. We did a sister episode recently, and I forgot to mention my own sister. And since it's oh, Valentine's God. Day, I can, I can spread the love and say, hi, Jen, thanks for listening. And uh, Dirty Dancing is a movie she turned me on to. She played the soundtrack all the time. And I caught up with it. And who didn't fall in love with Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze?
1: And, oh, I thought I thought you were about to say, who didn't oh fall God. in love with your sister? And I thought, geez, Matt, what a way to twist the well, show. Hey,
0: she broke some hearts too, man, for sure. <laughs> but Dirty Dancing, yes. another one I just wore out on VHS. Oh,
1: man, it's great. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, a, It sort of broke the mold for its time. No doubt. I like it. Teenage love. All right, so my number three pick, I I decided to concentrate on uh, how how young love, you you can be uh, obsessed with a person, right? Mm -hmm. And I know my Mm -hmm. first love, uh, her name was Stacy. I don't think she ever knew my name. I was in the sixth grade, and I just couldn't get her out of my mind, you know? Oh, sure, yeah. And I think it was captured perfectly in the 2009 comedy, 500 Days of Summer. This was... Yeah, go ahead, dude. No, no, I I
3: love that pick. Yes, and I love that film.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel, and Zoe plays the character Summer, uh, that Joseph Gordon falls in love with, and he he's this guy who went to school to become an architect, but he finds himself in a greeting card company writing these cheesy uh, sayings and cards when. Um, summer starts working at the same company and he just falls head over heels for her and of course uh, they date but he just can't get her out of her mind even when when the breakup happens Uh, you get a musical number in there that's fantastic it's a well written film the characters are likable everybody loves Zoe Deschanel I think so it's easy to fall in love with her 500 days of summer it's it's a winner anybody who sees it's going to like it
0: good pick Ryan for sure really good pick really
3: good pick
1: that was my number three. What do we got sitting at two, Darren?
3: Oh, geez. Well, you know, young love, you know, the young people, or is it young at heart, or is it is it both? How about Harold and Maude?
0: Well, yeah, I give it to you for sure. It's a little out of the box, but, I mean, so Harold was, was pretty young.
1: So was Midsummer. So what do we expect out of Darren? This yeah. is good. <laughs> He's a wild card.
3: You, yeah, if, I mean, you know, it, it it really. I mean, if you if you kind of go down and I, so for me, there were a lot of films that that almost made this list for me, and you know, and I would have like seemed like a real weird person if I was like, well, what about Lolita? What about Baby Doll? What about you know, get out your handkerchiefs or you know, things like you know that you know involved very young people with very much older people, and you know, I, I think this is a film that is a lot purer. Um, in intent, than you know than a lot of those films. And those films are all great and favorites of mine as well. But um, but the idea with Harold and Maude is that you know it, it, it's it doesn't matter what the age is. You know, love can be found for anyone, anywhere, anytime. And you can be eighteen and a driving a hearse, you know, or you could be eighty and presumably should be in a hearse, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> You know, I mean and and love can, you know, find its way into that. And that's really what, you know, for for me, you know, it's one ha I I one of, if not the best, Ashby film, you know, and um yeah, it's really something special. So
0: I like it. I like it a lot, man. Um this is the one pick on my list that's that's a bit uh unusual. I suppose doesn't fit the, the, the rest, but I think it fits my personality. We we sort of alluded earlier to Shakespeare, and of course everybody's yep. thinking uh, Romeo and Juliet, of which might be on somebody else's list. Uh, maybe, maybe not. This is a modern-day interpretation of uh, Romeo and Juliet that is somewhat based in reality, filmed by Alex Cox, Sid, and Nancy. And it's about... Oh, wow. It's about how love kills, right? It's about... The destruction okay. of a couple by their own hand, so to speak. And it's, it's very much a parable for Romeo and Juliet in a way, sort of a twisted Romeo and Juliet. I think the reason he called it Sid and Nancy is to sort of evoke that feeling, that couple. And listen, I'm not saying Sid and Nancy is like Shakespeare, okay? I'm saying that they're drawing the comparison <laughs> because of the way that the couple ends up. And everything plus, you know, I'm a punk, so gotta put Sid and Nancy on the I list. I still dude. have not
1: seen it. You never saw Sid and no, Nancy, still have not seen it.
0: Uh, well, wow, I mean, I Gary Oldman is Sid Vicious, I know Chloe Webb's Vicious. best outside of twins. So, <laughs> there you go.
1: Glad it's on your list. You gotta okay. see Sid and Nancy. Sometime. I'll write it down. Yes, I'll write it down. All right, my number two is a movie about young love, but it's one person who's a little bit younger and falls for the mature man. Uh, this one takes place over in England. Came out in 2009. Another strong cast now that time's passed. You have Kerry Mulligan, Peter Sarsgaard, Alfred Molina, and Rosamund Pike. Oh, wow. And they're Ooh. in the film In Education.
0: Still haven't seen this one either. Love it.
1: Uh, yeah, you like About this one, it. Darren?
3: I do. Yeah. I do.
1: So you have yeah. Kerry Mulligan here plays Jenny, and she's only a a 16-year-old, and she's hoping to attend Oxford University when she meets David, who is played by Peter Sarsgaard. He's the older man. He drives a nice car. He's very mature, and she gets very swept up in this lifestyle. And it's very tricky because she's a student that, if she plays her cards right, can go and get an education and not be so reliant uh, on being in a relationship and marrying a man. And we're still, you know, this takes place at a time where that's very prevalent, and she has to sort of decide. And the teachers in that movie, um, throw that in the uh, fish tank. There's, there's another actress, uh, Pat, in the movie that plays the teacher in an education that is so upset with Jenny's choice because she sees the whole future uh, playing out, that she's just caught up in this, you know, mature lifestyle that he lives but really, if she could just you step, know, back. step back and yeah. see that she's throwing away such a promising future, it, it's a wonderful film. Hmm. Yeah, Got to catch up with this one. In education. Love that one.
3: Oh, it's worth, it's worth catching up. I mean, it's a, it's a great film. It's, I, I, I waited a year before I saw it when it came out, and I regretted waiting a year.
0: Hmm. All right. You've you
3: waited a lot longer. I
0: have. Based <laughs> on that recommendation, though, no, I'm, I'm, I'll take you up on that.
1: That was my number two. So here we are. This is Cinema Jaw, our number one picks for movies about young love. Darren Dean, what do you got sitting there?
3: Yeah, you know with all the Shakespeare going around, um, I'm, I'm going to tease with one, but I'm going to go to another. Um, with with all the Shakespeare going around, um, I thought for sure that somebody was going to say West Side Story, hmm. um, Is it's such a, a, a great again Romeo and Juliet, um, which. Since I was sure somebody was going to say West Side Story, I started thinking about other films. And then I remembered what I think is the most romantic young person film um, in my eyes. And, you know, it's not and I am thinking about young love as romance now, uh, not completely twisted, but still slightly. Um, I would say my my favorite young love film is Let the Right One In. Nice. Wow,
1: this is an honorable mention for me Nice one
0: That is that is awesome, man I, I love your picks and I'm jealous of them, frankly
3: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm talking about the 2008 You know, original Alfredson, you know, version mm-hmm. um, Yes Although, I mean, the the more recent version That was done here in the States was shot for shot So, you know, it's not like it there was anything wrong with it um, but, but for me, the original 2008 uh, version was uh, was my favorite. And I will say this. I believe, I believe that is the very first film that Sean Baker and I saw together in a movie theater. Um, it was at the L.A. Film Festival um, the year that we won with Prince of Broadway. And it was midnight screening. And it was my first film festival. So, um, you know, in addition to like fond memories of the film and of, of the depiction of love between these two young people in it, there were so many fond memories that tie me to that film um, because it was my first film festival and because it was, you know, Prince of Broadway and we won and, you know, it started the pathway to, you know, leading here. And by here, I mean on Cinema <laughs> Um
0: <so laughs> You've made it. I love it. Yeah, yeah that, there we go. That is, Great a, pick. that is an awesome pick, man. And, and and I agree. It's such a like a haunting portrayal of love too because it's it's innocent and you know also that his future the love will always be somewhat unrequited, right? He's never going to Oh yeah. But that seems to be kind of what he wants to. Yeah, that is definitely an amazing movie. I like it a lot. All right, swings it over to me. And you know, okay, this is the mood I was in, right? I was thinking nostalgia, and when you're going in that direction, you're talking about teenage romance. One name pops into your head, and that's John Hughes, at least for me. And and he has many great ones to pick from. Yep. Uh, many, really. I could have I could have said a bunch, um, but I'm going with Pretty in Pink. Wow. Pretty in Pink, eh? Pretty in Pink, and I'll tell you why here, because it's the love triangle, and really ducky is the tragic hero of the movie. John Cryer um, has to give up on his love in order to see her become happy with, with, uh, you know, her, her douchebag rich boy that she really wants exactly. to get. Um Harry Dean Stanton as the dad puts in just a, a fantastic performance. Chicago's own Dick Biondi is in the very beginning on the radio. If you listen um, all of Hughes' <laughs> films were shot uh, and set, shot in Chicago, yeah. yeah, right here in in Chicago, and I think that that's something we can all relate to, at least Ducky's predicament when when we have to sort of let love go, and it's such a young love because they were f- friends and and you know sort of had crushes on each other since childhood, and it's that relationship right. I think is at the core of the movie. Mm. So there you go,
1: good pick. Uh, for my number one, it's it's interesting. A lot of times when we're making these. Lists. since we do this week after week. What happens is I write down a series of films on a piece of paper as I'm thinking of them, and then later do some research and start numbering them. But this time, when I did this list, I wrote this film down, and next to it put a number one. Oh, you knew right away. I wanted to talk about this as the number one. Oh, did I steal your thunder with Dirty Dancing? you did not. You did not. Uh, This one... (laughs) And the other reason why was because I don't think we've talked about it much on Cinema John. I thought, what a great time to highlight this film. 2003 film, I've been going with the casts all show, so get a load of this cast now, Matt. Miles Teller, Shailene Woodley, Brie Larson, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who we just saw in Birds of Prey. Right, right. Bob Odenkirk. Jennifer, wow. Jason Lee, and Kyle Chandler. Oh my goodness! That's
0: a deep. That's a deep roster. And
1: and get this: it was an independent small movie at the time, uh, 2013's *The Spectacular Now*.
0: I remember hearing about this. I've still never seen it.
1: Such a good movie about uh, I, yeah. young love, and it is uh, a high school romance. It, it develops between two people who seem to be headed in completely different directions with their lives. Uh, Miles Teller plays Sutter, and he's a young kid who's drinking all the time, doesn't take his life very seriously, nor does he take his future too serious. But but we see cracks in that. That's maybe just his outer shell that he's putting out there. And then Shailene Woodley plays Amy, who is tutoring him, and is she's got her whole future sort of planned out and looking forward to going to college And you get this uh, romance that that takes place between them. But the sad part being that uh, Miles Teller's character really realizes that.
0: What year was this year?
1: 2013.
0: They must have been like 10 years old, right? I mean, Shailene Woodley and Miles Teller?
1: Yeah. Give us their ages. Throw it in the fish tank, all right, Pat? Um, But yeah, they're not that. uh, 2013. This is seven years ago. so they're teenagers i'm telling you they're in high school they're in their 20s today okay um but they see he sees that amy is her future is so much brighter than his that this this romance can't continue for the rest of their lives and that uh you know he's headed down a path that isn't um necessarily going to be successful and he doesn't see himself where Maybe Amy sees so herself he's, he's
0: feeling the imposter syndrome. He's not worthy of her love. Right. Okay.
1: Right. And and while researching this, I, I came across Roger Ebert, uh, the great Roger Ebert, gave this one four stars. And in his review, he says, what an affecting film this is. It respects its characters and doesn't use them for its own shabby purposes. How deeply we care about them. Miles Tower and Shailene Woodley are so there. Being young is a solemn business when you really care about someone. Teller has a touch of John Cusack in his say-anything period. Woodley is beautiful in a real-person sort of way, studying him with concern, and then that warm smile. We have gone through senior year with these two. We have known them. We have been them. That's the great Roger Ebert, and I agree.
0: He knew how to write. Wow.
1: He did. Yeah, he did. My number one, the spectacular. Now, any quick honorable mentions uh, as we're running a little I can,
0: late here? I can I can go rapid fire. Little Women, I think, could be on this list. Clueless. Um, mm-hmm. Got to listen. Cop two. This Twilight. All right. S- say anything.
1: I went with uh, Moonrise Kingdom. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, and you got to go Moonrise Kingdom in there. And then a, another small movie not mentioned here was Smashed, which was Aaron Paul oh. from Breaking Bad, where him and also actually that uh, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in that as well, and they're they're both like drinking heavily, and one wants to get uh, you know off what do you call it off the wagon or on the wagon on the wagon wants get on the wagon quit drinking. And, You're watching too many Seinfelds. And see. all of a sudden you know the the relationship can't last if one's not drinking and one is good movie though.
0: I had one more man you, you cut me off. Baz Luhrmann's <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. I mean we have it's to
3: say great it's oh, there you go. yeah
1: yeah all right
3: Uh, i i've got uh uh, so i i mean i would say west side story for sure um either version of hairspray um including john waters version um uh, probably dangerous liaisons um but uh, yeah those are probably my my picks for for the uh, honorable mentions.
1: Those were some good picks, eh, Matt?
3: Yeah,
0: there's tons we missed
3: here.
1: Jawheads, if we missed. Oh,
3: yeah, wait, watch.
1: Yeah, yeah, if we missed your favorite movie about young love and you have Twitter pulled up, shoot us a tweet or you can always email us feedback at cinemajaw.com. Still to come, a Cinema War looking at the best comic book movie of the year 2000, plus trivia Matt Kay versus Darren. Stick Woo-hoo. with us. Let's
2: all go to
1: the lobby. Let's As we celebrate Anne Hathaway lobby. this February, Let's we must take a the look at her big love scene. I am talking about Interstellar, of course. Here, Anne Hathaway tells Matthew McConaughey of her theory about love passing through time and dimensions. Happy Valentine's Day, Jawheads.
2: So, listen to me when I say that. Love isn't something we invented. It's observable, powerful. It has to mean something.
0: Love has meaning, yes. Social utility, social bonding, child rearing.
2: We love people who have died. Where's the social utility in that? None. Maybe it means something more, something we can't yet understand. Maybe it's some evidence, some Artifact of a higher dimension that we can't consciously perceive. I'm drawn across the universe to someone I haven't seen in a decade, who I know is probably dead. Love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. Maybe we should trust that, even if we can't understand it yet.
0: Hey Jawheads, it's Matt K with a brand new riddle for you, and our February riddle goes like this. I am almost as ancient as the relics I used to dig. I have loved a princess, a bartender, one who works, and one who may not have been real. I was a swinger long before Austin Powers, but I settled down with somebody who had dancing babies. You'll never catch me. Who am I? Jawheads, you have until March 17th to email us the correct answer at... Feedback at cinemajaw.com for a chance to win a prize pack, or you could take me on in trivia.
2: The sparkling drinks are just dandy, the chocolate bars and the candy.
1: So- and we are back on Cinema Jaw hanging out with Darren Dean. A lot of projects going on, but again, premature. It's a movie coming out this February. Write it down, Jawheads. Nominated for a Spirit Award. And uh, always great talking to Darren. Indeed it is. Indeed it is, Matt Kay. Uh, Before we get to trivia and before we get to Cinema War, Uh we did throw a few items into the fish tank. And uh, I know Pat wants to swim up to the top and tell us. Take a breath of air. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's open up that fish tank.
3: Wait a moment.
2: Spoke. Who's coming with me besides Flipper?
3: Here. That's a second message. It means Luca Brasi
2: sleeps with the fishes. We're gonna need a bigger boat. All right. Uh, happy Valentine's Day oh, to thanks, you guys and all the jawheads. Um, the first question in the fish tank this week was: Who is the teacher in an
1: education? And that was Emma Thompson, who plays Miss Walters. Mm. I knew it was somebody. Yes, Great. definitely was somebody. Yeah, I just knew it was. It was yeah. I knew it was a teacher. A notable, notable. Yeah, they played the teacher, no yeah. doubt. And then the
2: second question was how old Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley are. Uh, Miles Teller is thirty-two, and Holy Shailene crap. Woodley is
1: twenty-eight. Whoa! There you go. So, like I had said, it was seven years ago. So you put it there, yeah? They're playing believable high school kids.
0: I mean, yeah, I guess so. We always get actors who are in their like twenties and thirties playing high schoolers, but mm-hmm. okay, all right. They definitely have a young look. So,
1: I mean, who are you kidding? Your pick, John Travolta, was what was he when in Greece? He was probably thirty-five.
0: Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Maybe. But like I said, man, they they posted that. Uh, that photo very recently, and they
1: they look great for whatever that's worth. Was that everything, Pat? Yep. All right. Jump back in that fish tank. All right. Will do. Matt, it brings us to a segment called
0: Cinema War 2000.
1: And Cinema War works like this. Me and Matt were fighting on a topic. Our guest, our judge, our jury this week is Darren Dean. He gets to pick who he thinks won this argument. Uh, Matt. Yeah. The, 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 the Cinema War... Topic Machine is stuck on the year 2000, and it outputted this one. What is the best comic book movie of the year 2000? Mm -hmm. Be it... X-Men? X-Men or Unbreakable. You're fighting for X-Men. That's right. I have Unbreakable. Let's get this war started.
0: It occurs to me, Ryan, that we have the perfect judge for this, Darren Dean, someone who has great respect for Will Eisner. Ryan, you don't even know who Will Eisner is, so how could you judge what is a better comic book movie? Anyway, I disqualify you. Unbreakable is a movie about comic books, not a comic book movie.
1: I know who Will I am is. Matt, X-Men, really, X-Men? What is it that made that film work so well? Was it Halle Berry's uncanny transformation as Storm? Or was it Rebecca Remain's method acting as she brought Mystique alive? Which was it, Matt Kay?
0: I'd say both. Before Avengers, before even the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, in the year 2000, we got the X-Men. It received positive reviews from critics, citing performances, story, and thematic depth, Ryan. uh, This was the movie that validated us geeks who previously were punched in the face for saying things like X-Men aloud. Unbreakable, on the other hand, was dreary, dull, and rode the coattails of its director's previous
1: film. To this day, many people will cite Unbreakable as M. Night Shyamalan's best. And not just fans. The great Quentin Tarantino said it is in the top 20 films to come out that decade. And Time Magazine listed it fourth in the best superhero movies of all time.
0: Wow, uh, let's be frank, Ryan. M. Night Shyamalan has one good movie with Bruce Willis in it, and hint, hint, he was dead the whole time. Since then, a string of disappointments have largely squandered the potential of that great film. However, since then, the X Men gave us not only Hugh Jackman, who made his debut in the film, but also led to the reemergence of superhero films, a genre that would remain popular for the next two
1: decades. All right, get a load of this, Matt. Mr. Glass, David Dunn, These are names of characters we know now, but this was not a story based on pre-existing material like X-Men. This was new. This was fresh. And that idea has now spawned two more movies, Split and Glass. That is
0: impressive. Yeah, not impressive. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up because Unbreakable even screwed up the one thing comic book movies are known for, sequels. While I did enjoy the spin-off in Split, I think we can both agree that Glass was a disappointment, Ryan. The X-Men franchise, while there have been some missteps, has given us great movies like First Class, Deadpool, and Logan. Your argument sure ain't Unbreakable, Ryan, and mine is adamantium. Excelsior. Mm.
1: The most impressive thing about Unbreakable is that it's a clever story, an original one at that, satisfies comic book fans, and contains M. Night's signature, a twist ending. As the years have passed, these two films are headed in opposite direction. X-Men's stock is sinking, while Unbreakable is now looked at as a classic everyone should see. We are buttonheads here on Cinemore. We throw it to our guest, our jury. Darren, what did you think of this (laughs) Cinemore?
3: It's a tough one yeah I mean it's a tough one because of uh, you know a lot of the points you bring up i mean i i would uh i don't know i think uh franchise wise both of them uh, sort of floundered a bit after the uh the initial efforts um so I, you know with that with that argument and just going back to to both of them um you, you, you had to bring up Will Eisner, Matt. <laughs> um, yes, I did. I think Will, I, I think Will would have liked Unbreakable more.
0: Ooh. Yes. Damn it! It's
3: it's 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 an origin story, and it's a, it's an origin story at its best, I think. And it's it's uh, and I agree, it is Shawlan's best
0: film. <laughs> um, nice. I don't know if it's his best so, film, but I really like Unbreakable too. I really do.
3: <laughs> so. Who knows,
1: right? Thank you. Thank you. That earns me twenty seconds of jaw time, rent and rave on whatever I want. And because Darren's going to the Spirit Awards, uh, it's a good time to and and here we got this this micro budget, I guess is what you can call it. And it's not micro at five hundred thousand, but you know what I mean. Independent film, support it, jawheads. There's great ways now with all the streaming platforms and being able to rent movies and, and you know, see things that are a little bit different
0: outside the box, outside
1: the box, uh, get out there and support, uh, independent film.
0: Well said. Thank Ryan. you guys.
1: Yeah. That is my 22nd rant. See,
0: I tried to pander
1: to the I judge. I appreciate
0: and using and your 20
1: seconds on me.
3: I love it. I love
1: it. I, <laughs> All right. Well, it is, uh, finally, Matt, a, a time to play some trivia. All right.
0: All right, Jawheads, it's time once again for Cinema Trivia, where one lucky contestant gets to take on Matt K in the hot seat. Starring your host, Rye the Movie Guy!
1: Oh, that theme song, it really gets me in the mood. I'm pumped up, man. I'm pumped up. I'm ready. All right, in honor of Birds of Prey, we are playing spin-off movie trivia. Darren, it works like this. You're our guest. You get to choose if you want to go first. Let Matt Kay go first. There are steals, and if you get hung up on any questions, you get one pick me up, Pat. Our producer Pat has clues to all the questions. And and Darren, right. they, they start off okay. easy.
3: All right. Uh I uh I'll go first.
1: <laughs> All right. Question one, spin off movie trivia. Here we go. Darren, just last year, 2019, Hobbs and Shaw got a spin off movie. From what franchise is that from?
3: Uh, Fast and Furious.
1: One to nothing. Darren. He's on the board. Question two, over to Matt K. Matt, Puss in Boots. What? What? Puss in Boots Mm -hmm. was a spinoff from the popular Shrek franchise. Who voiced Puss in Boots?
0: Oh, wow. That is not what I thought you were going to ask. So that would be Antonio Banderas.
1: One to one. Everybody perfect on the easy ones. Question three. Back over to Darren. Darren, speaking of animation, the Minions got a spinoff from Despicable Me. Who voiced the lovable villain Gru in Despicable Me?
3: Steve Carell.
1: Three, two to one, Darren. Okay. Question four over to Matt K. In 2018, we were treated to Bumblebee, a spinoff from the Transformers. Yeah. Okay. What actress starred in the film as Carly Watson?
0: Holy crap, um, dude! I have no idea. I'm, I, I know it probably wasn't Megan Fox.
1: What question number is this? This is question four. Who mm. starred in Bumblebee? Did you see the movie? No. Oh, I saw it. You did? Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably see everything. I probably
0: would have enjoyed it. I, I like uh, Bumblebee and all. I don't know. Um, I don't question know if, four. Yeah, should I use my lifeline Here is the question? Uh, I'll just say um, Haley Steinfeld.
1: Really? That is unbelievable. unbelievable. That. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I just that's picked
3: really a name that. out of
1: thin air. It was Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. Whoa. She did a good job in it too. That's really weird, so I dude. Had, I had no idea.
3: I had no idea who the, the answer to that question was. But the name that I picked out of thin air was Haley Steinfeld.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's bizarre. Wow. Well, that is that is Why? nuts. All right. It is two to two. Question five is over to Darren. Uh, the 2010 film, Get Him to the Greek, starring Russell Brand and Jonah Hill, was a spinoff of this Jason Segel film. Name it.
3: Oh. Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall?
1: Indeed. <laughs> wow. Wow wow
0: dude i don't know where that came from. i'm still reeling from that i swear to god i put that out of thin
1: air that is nuts. <laughs> it is three to two darren question six back over to matt k matt uh-huh. speaking of marshalls the 1998 film u.s marshalls mm-hmm. sees tommy lee jones play sam gerard again but what actor is he chasing this time around
0: oh man that's a good question I mean, obviously, it was the fugitive spinoff. He's not chasing Harrison Ford this time. Um, <sighs> was and, Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones. Who
1: in U.S. Marshals? All
0: right, this is where I'm going to have to say pick me up, Pat.
1: Whoa, pick me up, Pat. Question six, who starred alongside Tommy Lee Jones in U.S. Marshals? Your
2: clue for this one, in real life, he was caught and put in jail.
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, okay. Is it um, the Demolition Man? Um, I'm blanking on his it Wesley Snipes?
1: Wow. That Thanks, Pat. Correct. Thank you. <laughs> Look at this. Three to three. Everybody perfect. Darren still has his lifeline, too. Darren, question seven is to you. What actor stars in the Fantastic Beasts series as Newt Scamander, which is a spin-off of the Harry Potter series.
3: Um, good Lord. You, yeah. You do have a pick-me-up
1: pad um, if you need it. Who stars in Fantastic yeah, yeah, Beasts?
3: Yeah. Uh, go, go, go ahead, pick-me-up pet.
1: <laughs> wow. Back-to-back pick-me-up pads. Pat, who is it? <laughs> who stars in Fantastic Beasts? Your clue for this
2: one is that they are the Oscar winner for Theory of Everything.
3: Oh, uh...
1: uh, uh <laughs> <You want> an <laughs> Oscar say, for Theory of Everything, because Darren got this name.
3: Hmm. I keep wanting to say Freddie Highmore, but that's not... uh um I, funny story, yeah. uh, when, when, when he was in The Dutch Girl, I met him at the Vanity Fair party and talked to him about Tandrine quite extensively, mm. um, And uh, but he was in Les Mis, too, I think. Uh, um,
1: he's on it. He's all over it. I, he's and, got the right
3: yeah, guy. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Yes. yes. Wow. <laughs> Sweet Lord Almighty.
1: Wow. That is awesome. <laughs> Darren is perfect. He's got four. Matt, you have three. It's the last question of the game. Oh wow! Game.
0: Okay, no pressure.
1: 2005 film Beauty Shop was a spinoff of the popular movie Barber Shop. huh. What actress played the lead? Gina.
0: Okay. There's there's a few actresses who I think are likely here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say Queen Latifah.
1: Wow! Unbelievable! Oh wow! Unbelievable! Oh <laughs> it it comes down to a jawbreaker, and this jawbreaker goes to Darren. Darren, which film of these two should have a spinoff: The Florida Project or Tangerine?
3: Oh, Tangerine! <laughs> <laughs> they they really both either should. One of them. Yeah. I love The Florida
0: Project <laughs> so much.
1: Yeah, I think there could be multiple. Uh, yeah, I, think, spin-offs. I think I think
3: I would love to see I would love to see a spinoff of either one of them. But uh, <laughs> the adventures, the adventures of those kids and the adventures of those girls would be absolutely amazing. It so. would
1: be. Uh, of course, that was a joke. The real jawbreaker is this. As we're tied four to four, the real jawbreaker is this. Age of Wesley Snipes closest to Matt. You got to guess.
0: Okay, um, I mentioned Demolition Man. I'm pretty sure that came out in the Early to mid '90s, and he would have been in his late 20s. So it's been—I would okay. So he's—he's in his early 50s. I'll say 53 years old.
1: Lock him in at 53, Darren. Do you got a guess?
3: I'm gonna say 59.
1: Give that one to Darren. 57, 57, 57. Darren wins this one. Too low.
0: Wow, I, that's oh, that's a rare misstep for me. Yeah, I'm usually the carnival barker, getting <laughs> all the cages right. Well done, Darren. Uh, virtual handshake thank to you. you. Thank you, thank <laughs>
3: you.
1: And with that, it brings us the end of a great job. First and foremost, we got to thank our guest uh, calling in via Skype, uh, Darren. Best of luck at the Spirit Awards.
3: Thank you guys so much. Great to be back and uh, talk to you again real soon.
0: Yeah, we'll keep in touch for sure, man. Thanks for coming on.
3: Thanks.
1: And we also got to thank our producer, producer Pat.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks as always, guys. It was a good time.
0: You're welcome, Pat. And happy Valentine's Day to you. Wow.
1: Thanks, guys. I, I, I,
0: I made you something here. It's I, I took some white and red construction paper oh, that's beautiful. and some scissors. I folded it. Empty? And if you unfold it just like this, it, oh. it makes a heart shape. No, no. See, and I wrote P and M on it. Those are our initials, Pat. Wow, creepy. I'm
1: going to cut your mic. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it before we thank our sponsors.
0: Oh, yes. we got to thank our sponsors. Thanks to Overcast and the Chicago Podcast Co-op, who help us get great sponsors like them.
1: Yes, if you want to support Cinema Jaw, leave us a review, guys, wherever you're listening to this podcast.
0: And while you're there, click subscribe. It would be an awesome... Valentine's Day gift for us because it helps us out tremendously.
1: Until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm
0: Matt Kay. And keep on, on John about, about the movies. movies.